The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I'd like to conclude with the following story. It was told by Rabbi Yechiel Spiro. Although the suffering of Greek Jewry during World War II may not have been as well known as Jews from other European countries, the Jews of Greece actually endured a greater percentage of loss than almost any other country. Nearly 85% of the Jews of Salonika were killed, most of them in Auschwitz. They were the few, the 15% that survived and rebuilt their lives anew. Among them was a young man named Ovadia Baruch. Ovadia Baruch, after having a number branded on his arm, felt his life seeping out of him all alone. No family, no friends. He walked around the camp like a zombie. But then to his great fortune, he was given the job of doling out soup to his fellow inmates. He lucked out. Not only did he have now access to the kitchen, but he also had the ability to help others with a spoonful of extra soup. In the meantime, in the same camp, but on the other side of the camp, was a young woman by the name of Eliza Tsorfati, also from Greece. She, however, was not given any plum assignments. In fact, she was sent to the dreaded Block 10. Block 10 was where the cur- cursed Nazis Yemach Shemam, they conducted their grotesque medical experiments on young women, robbing them of their ability to ever bear children. It was to that infirmary that Aliza was being led, and she had heard before what goes on in there. She was filled with trepidation and fear. As soon as she entered the clinic from hell, however, she looked up and she saw something that filled her with new levels of hate and disgust and anger because she recognized the individual going in and out, performing those experimental procedures that day was none other than Dr. Jacob Samuels, a Jewish doctor. It was her turn. She looks at the doctor and with every ounce of anger building up inside, she yells out, how could you? I understand the animals, the Nazis, they're beasts, but you, you're a Jew. How can you participate in this? For what? To save your own hide? To get privileges? To get better rations of food? Shame on you. And a few moments later, it was over. The procedure that would prevent Eliza from ever having children. She was shattered. She could never have a family of her own. What is there to live for? A few days later, Eliza was walking past the back of the kitchen area when she hears someone screaming. He's screaming in Greek from behind the building, and she knows the language. Hearing the cries of her native tongue, she runs over and she sees an SS guard mercilessly beating on a young man because Avadya was caught giving some extra soup to a fellow Jew. And he's being beaten to death. And she starts yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs for this Nazi to stop. For some inexplicable reason, her cries to stop the savage in his tracks seemed to change his mind. And he went on his way, leaving Avadya on the ground. She begins to take care of his wounds. He thanks his savior profusely. Being a fellow lanceman from Greece, they spoke for a few minutes in their native language. So overwhelmed was Ovadia by the emotions of that moment of being saved by this woman who came from the same country that he came from. He blurts out to Eliza on the spot, if we both survive, let's get married. Eliza couldn't help but burst out laughing, saying, 
we don't know each other. We met about 60 seconds ago. And besides, she assured, if you ever got to know me, you wouldn't want to marry me. And with that, they went their separate ways. Over the next two years, their paths didn't cross again. Even so, the story remained fresh in Avadja's mind. When the war was over and the camp was liberated, he began to search high and low for Eliza, for his girlfriend. Hitting many dead ends, but then after many months, he located her. Although they hadn't seen each other in over two years, Ovadia did not forget her kindness. Moreover, removed from the horror of the camps, there was outer beauty there too that matched her inner beauty. And once again, in this spontaneous fashion, he asks her, let's restart our life together. Let's get married. Now the question was serious and it was real. And she had to reveal to him why she thought he wouldn't be interested. And she tells over what happened in Barrack 10 with Dr. Samuels. But Avadya wouldn't take no for an answer. He was intent on rebuilding his life with this woman, with Eliza. And if we couldn't have a family of our own, let's have each other. Maybe we'll adopt. We'll find a way to rebuild our lives. But it has to be us together. And after much persuasion, Eliza agreed, and they got married. And sometime later, they were given an opportunity to go to the land of the dreams, and they grabbed it. And Ovadja and Eliza Baruch moves to Israel. A few months later, Eliza's not feeling well. She goes to see a doctor, and after examining her, he tells her the good news. You're expecting. You're pregnant. She thanks the doctor, but she says, Doctor, your test is false. It's not possible. And she tells him about Barak 10, what happened that day. And they do another test and another, and it confirms that she's pregnant. And she begins to do some research about any Jewish woman that went to Barrack 10 under Dr. Samuels. And she finds that many of them have either had children or are pregnant with children. How could it be? They investigated further and they uncovered Dr. Samuels' secret. In truth, he had volunteered to perform those procedures. And yet, despite his orders under the threat of death, he knew how to make things appear as if he did what they wanted him to do. But he also knew how never to harm a single Jewish woman. Instead, he saved them. And he knew they hated him. And they called him every name they could. And they went on in their lives thinking he was the angel of death. When the Germans discovered his charade, they made him suffer. They tortured him before they executed him. Six months later, Eliza and Avadja Baruch were holding their beautiful newborn baby at his bris. They named him Yaakov, after the tzaddik, the righteous martyr, Dr. Jacob Samuels of saintly memory. When faced with the most critical and consequential choice point in his life, Dr. Samuels did not choose the easy way. Though he well knew the price he'd have to pay, he chose to rise above the animal and become the angel the angel that will allow Jewish children to be born for generations and generations and generations. My friends, as human beings, we have the power of free will. We're able to make choices that can better our lives and the lives of others. We can make the world a better and brighter place. When we're presented with those choice opportunities, let us seize them and forge this new way forward in our lives. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs once said, to be a Jew is to be creative, and our greatest creation is ourself. Think about this. Throughout the Torah, especially the book of Genesis, book of Exodus, we're introduced to characters, we're introduced to individuals, and the more we get to know these individuals, the more we realize their characteristic is talking to us. There's something about them that we relate to. Think about it. 
Abraham grew up in an idol-worshipping household and rejected that lifestyle. Abraham changed himself. Moses started out as a man who could barely speak. I'm not a man of words. I'm a slow speech and tongue, he said. Yet by the end of the Torah, he's the most eloquent visionary of all prophets. Moses went through changes. We all need to reinvent ourselves. Whoever we are, however we're all programmed, we can channel it to do good, to be good, to feel good, and to have good. Act like the person you want to be, and you will become that person. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.